even downright cutting, buddy, buddy. We shall miss the past, buddy, buddy, but there's still buddy cast. No, don't be naughty, go meet everybody here on buddy cast. All right, buddy cast fans. Good afternoon. I'm here with my buddy, Wes Johnson, the voice of the Washington Capitals, and just an overall tremendous guy, tremendous man, does a lot of voiceover work. You may have heard him in a few video games, a few uh, movies here and there. So, yeah. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing okay. How are you, Nick? Doing great. Glad to meet you finally, you know? Yeah, well, we've, we've, we've chatted with the fingers, typing yes. online for a number of years. So it's nice. Yes. I mean, this is kind of face to face, right? Exactly. Hey, this is this is the new this is what some people consider the new normal, you know? Mm-hmm. Everything like people do this all the time for work, people do this all the time for just chatting with loved ones who live across the country. So well, and and uh, you know, some people uh, work sans pants, but don't worry, I'm not Donald ducking it today, so we're going to be fine. Me either. So we're good. We're good. Just as long as neither one of us stands up suddenly, we're fine. We should be good. Yes. So let me start by asking, how did you get into your voiceover work? I've been uh, doing stand-up comedy. I started doing stand-up comedy, doing sketch comedy, acting on stage, and uh, started getting involved uh, with uh, auditioning for films and things of that sort. And I started working at a local radio station called WHFS back in the day. And I started taking some of the characters and the impressions and the voices that I did on air, I mean, in shows, mm-hmm. and started doing them on the air. And I ended up moving on to the morning show. And uh, I ended up working then after that with uh, Wolfman Jack, the great, that's right, baby, the great Wolfman Jack. And I got to work with him and uh, write sketch comedy bits. And I would be, a, I w- I'm a writer, I'm a cartoonist. I, I do all sorts of different things. So. Um, when I got to be with Wolfman, I wrote and, uh, produced a bunch of comedy sketches live every week with him. I would do, uh, sketches and bits and different characters and voices on the HFS morning show, went over to extra 104. And, uh, the next thing, you know, I'm getting auditions for video games from the uh, casting agencies and they'd bring me in to, uh, audition for things like, uh, unreal two, where I played no actual characters. I was just over 200 different people dying. That's it. Screaming, dying. Okay, now you're getting gutted with a bayonet. Okay, a laser beam's cutting you in half. All right, you're being beaten to death by a baby seal. Okay, so these are all things that I'm doing, and I'm screaming and hollering, and I walk out with a you know, hardly a voice left, but thinking that was pretty cool. And then I started getting auditions for things like uh, The Elder Scrolls and Morrowind and then Star Trek and World of Warcraft. And I've been doing, I've done maybe a hundred different voices up till now in video games, but uh, I love it all, whether it be stage or working in film, uh, doing TV, uh, and and of course doing the Washington Capitals and getting out there and cracking a mic. I've always been a fan. Yeah, there we go, buddy. I've always been a fan of uh, sports and uh, the, the Capitals. And I used to go out to uh, U.S. Air Arena, Capital One, uh, or Cap, the Cap Center, back when uh, the Caps were playing and watch them games with my dad and my buddy. We'd go up there all the time. 
with no idea that that disembodied voice that I hear in the background would eventually be me. And it's fine. It's good to be, the voice is all I got going for me. Now you know why I'm disembodied. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got to ask, going off of that, how did you become the voice of the Washington Capitals? was doing a morning radio program, uh, Extra 104, I was on the morning show, and Juwan Howard, who was with the Bullets at the time, was on our show every week. And we won an award, and he got a certificate that said Juwan Howard and blah, blah, blah. So I just, I took it over there one morning after the show. I walked in, and I said, uh, you know, I've got this award. Uh, can you make sure that Juwan gets this to the woman at the front desk? He said, oh, I sure will. Thank you. That's wonderful. And as I'm walking out, I just suddenly stopped and I turned around and said, hey, you ever have an opening at PA announcer? I'd love to audition. And she says, well, the guy who's been here for 20 years just left and we're holding auditions next week. Should I put your name down? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, write my name down. Let's give that a go. So I went and I auditioned and I became the last PA announcer for the Washington Bullets and the first PA announcer for the Washington Wizards. In fact, I was the first person to crack a microphone in that building uh, with a uh, you know Wizards game. And uh, that was um, way back when it was MCI Center, I believe. And... Uh, so I was the last of the, of the Bullets, first of the Wizards, and then uh, I went out to California when the Wizards went on strike. Well, they didn't go on strike, they got locked out, you know, and uh, I went out to California, but everything came back together while I was out there, and they say, can you be back here uh, by the end of the week? And I was like, I, I can't, I'm, I'm obligated to do this, and they went with someone else. Mm -hmm. But the next year, I auditioned for the uh, Capitals job because they wanted the Caps and the uh, Wizards to have different announcers. And I got that job. And so now I'm going into my, I've done, been, I've done 20 seasons with the Caps already. And I'm not, I'm not retiring anytime soon, even though people are trying to cut the brake lines on my car. And, uh, you know, hey, if they catch Wes at the right time, he can cut his hamstring. He'll never make it into work. Now I gotta ask, because I'm a practicing stand-up comedian myself. How'd you get into stand-up comedy? Stand-up comedy is uh, rough. If you're, you know, the fir your first couple goes, how were those? Oh, uh, the first, I'll, I have a funny story. The first open mic I ever did, they saved me for last and didn't tell me about it. So I'm sitting there going, okay, this person's going next. Okay, he's walking over to that person's life. He's that's next. And I'm texting my family who doesn't, who has the patience of like a squirrel, you know, like they're like, okay, we want to get it. We want to see him do his thing. And then we want to get the, you know what, out of here. We just, this. So I'm like, okay, any minute now, like I'm sitting across the room from them saying like any minute now, any minute. and then they finally, they pull the last three of us over and they say, okay, next is going to be you, then it's going to be you. And then they point to me and said, guess you're the headliner. And I'm like, oh, great. Because nice. at this point, everyone is ready to go home. Everyone, you know, we've sat through great comedians. We've sat through comedians who you can tell this is their first time. Yeah. You know, we had one guy who even brought half the audience and then when he was gone, half of them just got up and left. Left with him. Oh, no. Yeah. So we're all sitting there like, okay. Like this went from like a packed room to what you would normally see at an open mic. If you, you know, you've been to open right. mic before. Yeah. You know, it's usually like, you know, half the room is the performer, half the room is their family, you know, like their uh, loved ones and Tony all that. Perkins, a stand-up comic, a very funny stand-up comic who now does uh, morning uh, uh, 
news shows here in the <laughs> D.C. area. Uh, we were sitting back at an open mic night one night and we we're watching the comedian up there and we look around the room and he goes, this is the worst. This is just a bunch of comedians mm -hmm. here about the comedians and nobody laughs. They no. can sit back and go, that's funny. Yeah. Cause they're yeah. all, they're that's, all, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. They're all focused on their own. Bit. They're focused. Like they've got the notebook in front of them and they're yeah. like a lot of the comedians that I know in my city, we, we try to support one another. You know, it's usually the same 10 people that show up in an open mic and we'll laugh at everyone's joke, but I'll never forget this one moment. I got another story for you. This one, my first full room laugh. I was doing an open mic at a local comedy club. And this was my second round. The second time I've ever done open mic stand-up comedy. And in the middle of it, I'm like, oh, I almost forgot this joke that I made the other day. I am the hide-and-go-seek champion of Erie, Pennsylvania. I'm undefeated in my neighborhood. Because one time, they even awarded me the Amber Alert. <laughs> and the place just roared like it sounded like what you hear in an actual comedy club like what you hear you know and i just i stood there frozen for a second like that's never happened <laughs> felt good though didn't it yes it it was amazing that someone was my it, like, first yeah. experience in stand-up yes my first yeah. experience in stand-up i forgot that sometimes you have to repair heckler material oh i've had that too and and I get up on stage and they put a five minute timer up. Yep. And they put it's like an egg timer. And I start to go and the guy was up ahead of me, a comedian named Kevin Lee, who juggles uh, bowling balls and chainsaws and scarves all at the same time or whatever. And people in the front row are all like, ah, and uh, he got big laughs and big applause. And he goes off the stage and just as I'm getting there and starting to introduce myself and say hi to everybody, he runs back up on stage, realizes he had left one of his scarves was on the uh, fan going around and around. And he whipped it off, took another bow and went down. It was like an early Kanye thing. You know, I'm going to mm -hmm. let you finish. But then he goes, boom. And I'm like, uh. so I discovered that the about an hour and a half worth of material that I prepared for this five minute uh, bit was suddenly gone i was through it like that i'm just thinking it would have been an hour and a half uh wasn't that much that much time at all and i look over and i'm sweating and the guy in the front row's heckling and i don't know how to handle him uh and i look over at the timer and it's still like two minutes left might as well mm. said two years so i reached over grabbed the timer and ding and said well that's it looks like my time is up I want to thank you all for coming out here tonight. I'm Wes Johnson. If you need me, I'll be at home hanging in the closet. Good night. And then I got off the stage. And that I ever went back up and did it again is a testament to either my uh, stick to or my thickness of the skull. But mm -hmm. I did go back and I continued doing things. And uh, like you said, you get a, involved with a sort of a community of uh, mm -hmm. people at the time people like uh, Patton Oswalt and Tony Woods and uh, uh, Martin Lawrence were all circulating around DC. But I went off and started doing sketch comedy because that was the, the silly sort of thing I wanted to do. Uh, but it all, it all works out, you know, it worked into radio, worked into things, worked into video game voiceovers, worked into the caps. Yes. We all end up doing things that we maybe didn't expect we were going to do with our lives, but you keep at it, right? Yes, absolutely. It's like the it's like my favorite movie, Rocky. 
Every champion was once a contender who refused to give up. That's right. You know, it doesn't matter how much CTE has. You come back. You know what I mean? Yep, exactly. It ain't <laughs> about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Yeah. Yep. Keep, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep chewing your vegetables. Yep. yep. Exactly. I got a funny heckler story for you real quick. Okay. The first time I ever got heckled, I this guy was just, he was screaming at all these comedians. Like he screamed at least one other before me. And um, he, but he really got into it with me. I made a joke. I've retired dwarfism material now, but I made a joke back then. Like I hate winter because here's the difference between you and me. You and me go outside and we step in the snow. Your ankle gets cold. Poor you, you know, poor yeah. you. I envy, I envy you. And I made a joke saying, like, oh, I get blue balled in the winter. I hate it. And he was like, you get you were blue balled before you were born. Like, he was just going after me left and right with everything I said. I finally stopped and said, sir, question. People ask me all the time, how small am I? I want to ask you, how high are you right now? <laughs> and he was about to answer. And then I stopped him. I'm like, no, no. I'm not asking about your physical stature. Everyone in the audience just went, oh. Yeah, well, you know, Steve Martin, uh, the co his code for getting high was "Let's get small." Mm -hmm. You know, that was that was uh, his code for getting high. Now hecklers are great because they think they're helping you. I had a guy. There was a place down in Florida we went to on the coconuts tour down there, mm -hmm. and it was like in the middle of the bayou, in the middle of the swamp. And uh, there was a cigarette machine, a, a, a men's room on one side of the stage, a ladies room on the other side of the stage. And right next to it was a big cigarette machine and the kind with the knobs that you have to yank to try to get the things to work. And a bar with a bunch of surly looking folks. And they were like, you better be careful. Last week, someone at the bar had a gun and they shot it into the ceiling. I'm like, really? Were they mad? No, they were enjoying the show. So, you know, it was a little bit nervous making and this guy big guy had to have been like six foot seven starts um really going after me so i started going after him and i'm hitting him and they're laughing and i'm belittling him and i'm, I'm pulling out everything in my arsenal and he's not laughing everybody else is laughing and and i at this point have given up on doing any of my material i'm just now dealing with him you know it's just thrust and parry it's just fencing of, of verbal uh, a, a verbal jousting and and this guy didn't bring a weapon so at the end of the evening i ended up going into this bathroom which by the way love doing stand-up where people are walking in and out on either side and you're hearing the flushes as commentary and what you're doing and trying to do a bit where there's somebody at the cigarette machine and cut that oh come on pal mouse come on you know and uh it's it's like performing at the greyhound bus station but I go into the restroom and there's this guy, all six foot seven of burly, looking like he's gonna drag me out and feed me his alligator meat to the guys in the swamp. And he goes, hey, hey you, we did pretty well out there, didn't we? I was like, yeah, yeah, we were great. We were a hit. Good thing you were there because I hadn't prepared any material at all. Thank God for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's always those people, like you said, they think, sometimes they think they're helping you. Sometimes it's the case. Sometimes it's they like. I think they're hilarious. Yep. Yep. I've even asked someone. I met, um, what's it? I met Lewis Black in, um, in Jamestown, New York, which, by the way, you have to go to the, the National Comedy Center. 
Okay. In Jamestown? Yeah. Very, very great place. Great place for comedians. Just, it's like, it's got all the history in it, you know? But they had an event and I met Lewis Black there. And I asked him about, I'm like, what's your advice for hecklers? And he said, just stare at them. Just stop, stare, because the people are there to see you, not them. So, I had a little studio. Wow. Yep. That, that's pretty, I love Lewis Black. Yes. Lewis Black is my spirit animal. <laughs> I think a lot of Americans are saying that right now. So have you played any of the video games, Nick? Do you do, uh, do you get out there and, and, and work the thumbs? I have not recently, but I, that's what I was going to ask you about next. Your video games, you have Elder Scrolls, you have, you know, tell us about them. Tell us all well, about the Elder Scrolls, uh, Shea Gorath, Daedric Prince of Madness. As you can see, I've got my Wabajack right here, you know. Ah, I can take it and zap you, turn you into a mud crab. Uh, perhaps a mud crab would be lovely. It'd be great with butter. Uh, there's uh, Lucian the Chance of the Dark Brotherhood, dear child of Sithis. He is an assassin, and he wants you to kill Rufio. Um, get to play Super Mutants in Fallout 3 and 4, and, uh, you know, Mo Cronin. Mo Cronin is a guy in Fallout 4 likes to play baseball. And he, he, he see, they got this whole setup there at uh, uh, the stadium, you know, uh, up in Boston. And, uh, but they basically, they're selling their wares. And I'm telling people about the great game of baseball because people take the swatters, they go out into the field, nine guys on each team, and they beat each other to death with it. And whoever survives, they're the winner. And the guy says, you have a choice of saying that's not how baseball is played. It's like, oh, yeah, smart guy. How do you think it's played? And if you tell him how it exactly is played, he'll be like, I like my version better. So... Uh, Mulcrone is great. And and the thing is, I get to walk around with the swatter sometimes, which is basically you know, a baseball bat with the barbed wire on it. Negan ain't got nothing on me. I love it. I love that because I'm dating a girl from Massachusetts, so you nailed the accent. <laughs> is, she, is she wicked fun? Oh, she is. She she's going to thing is, I mean, I like my uh, Tim Hortons, but she's going to take you to Duncan. Oh, yeah. You're going to go to Duncan. That's all. She loves Duncan. She loves Duncan. <laughs> she loves it. Um, that's a, that's the other thing I want to ask you. When you, when you create, when you get a role for these characters, you know, everyone has an audition process. How do you come up with the things? Like obviously Boston, Boston accent or like. Yeah. Well, I mean, with that, you, I made him a little older in my mind and he was uh -huh. talking about baseball and, and I didn't see what he looked like. He was a younger guy, actually kind of looked like me, got a little bit of a mustache and a, a stubble. Uh -huh. They made him a little younger, you know, uh -huh. uh, but they always changed a bit like Lucien Lachance of the Dark Brotherhood. They told me he's, he's very evil and decrepit. So I'm like, I'm thinking hair hanging down beside the face, gaunt features, dark. Circles under the eyes, dear child of Sithis, and him creeping and hunched back, and all these things. And then I see what they do. They've created this guy who's like gorgeous, this gorgeous guy. And all the women were like going, oh, my God, he's gorgeous and he's completely evil, the perfect man. So it was weird. It was a weird kind of thing. Uh, you never know what they're going to come up with. Sometimes they'll show you a photograph. Like in Morrowind, I saw one photograph of the Bretons 
and it was this guy with a goatee and he was bald and ah oh, yes a bit water feet you know uh, well we've been expecting you come right in tell us a little bit about yourself so that is who i created with that voice looking at that character but they were using race characters so everyone was a breton whether they were old or young sounded exactly like that so that was very interesting uh in oblivion it was the uh the imperial guards halt criminal scum the imperials all sounded like this until i did lucian and they had him change and then they started doing the uh, dlc and they brought in um shea gorath who's right here on my shirt and shea gorath i did get to see a picture of him and uh but they told me they wanted him to be something of like a a stand-up comic robin williams little mercurial and i thought huh they want him to be a little scary as well as funny and mercurial but robin williams was well he was more cuddly it's the kind of thing you know you know have him out there talking about this oh i've got my wobble jack you don't you could do that but it, it didn't have a feel so i thought who's a stand-up comic who might bring a little fear and i thought billy Connolly. Ooh. You know, because you've got the Scott and Billy Connolly, he gets out there telling the joke and you don't want to get in his way. But I decided <laughs> I didn't want to do just the Scott. So I started adding Irish as well. And I thought, Shea Gorath goes between the mania and dementia. And so he goes between this accent sometimes. When he's speaking to you, he goes from this to this when he gets angry and he becomes more Scottish. And then, of course, he drops it to be friendly and goes more Irish. And then sometimes when he says, brain pie, perfect, care to donate, drops the accent altogether because he doesn't have an accent. It's all affectations. He's the Daedric Prince of Madness, and he can do anything he wants. So I, what was funny was having people in Scotland and uh, Ireland saying, where the hell's this guy from? <laughs> this is accents all over the region. He's Irish one minute, he's Scottish the next. And it's like, I did it on purpose, you know. I've got a fellow by the name of Tom, his name, his name is Tom Stack, and he works at a place called the Irish Channel in DC. And if you're ever out here, you need to stop by and see him and say hello. Tell him what sent you. All right. But Tom, I, I could sit and listen to him all day long. And he has a lovely accent. He truly does. So you take a little bit of that. And then a little Billy Connolly. And then you throw it in between and you get a little something that goes back and forth. And I was playing with it and trying to do it. And it just, he seemed un, more unpredictable that way. So um, I go along the lines of Mel Blanc, who is a <laughs> hero voice wise. Yes. And do you ever read his autobiography? That's not I all have, folks. I have not, but terrific. I love, love his work. It's terrific. And he also talks about how he creates the characters and he looks at different things and the shape of his mouth and, and um, you know, accents and things of that sort. Like Hermaeus Mora is a Daedric god and he has a million eyeballs and a jillion tentacles and it's sort of a shapeless mass. We don't know what he looks like. But he sounds like this dragonborn. And I drag the tongue to the side of the throat and take him in different areas and little clicks little clicks and things of that sort with him which they i don't know why that would be tentacles or eyeballs but it just seemed to me 
uh, to be very creepy. And people say that they're creeped out. They also don't like that he's very slow, but that's okay. He's the master and purveyor of all knowledge. He's in no hurry whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Now, this leads me to think of a question. Have you ever considered doing like audiobooks or? Yeah, some I, I've uh, talked to some people occasionally. It's, I'm not, I've not found myself in a place where I'm, you know, pushing it out there for auditions. Uh, mm -hmm. I would, I, I've done that kind of thing. I actually write stories myself. I've got short stories, novellas, uh, working on a novel, and some of the uh, children's book that I'm working on that I'm actually doing audio for the children's book and reading it. Mm. And I'm going to put uh, music and sound effects to it so that the kids can follow along listening to it at home. And that's something Shel Silverstein did back in the day. When they were older, they just put little recordings so you could get a cassette with it. And then eventually they put like a little recording chip inside the book. Now everything is interactive and virtual. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, you can go on your Kindle and listen to a book while you're reading it at the same time. It's crazy. It is. It is. You can even go on audiobook, like have the physical book in front of you and still be listening to it on your iPod or something like that. Follow along with the home game. Exactly. That's what I'm doing for now. I'm reading Elton John's autobiography, and my mom downloaded it on audiobook. Audio yeah, it is. It's very, it's very opening. Like it's very, he's very open about his things. He's very just like hold nothing back. And it's just like, this is the real him. He said it in his book. He doesn't want this to be just another like tutti frutti, like audio thing or something. Like he doesn't basically want you find out who Reginald Dwight is. Yes, exactly. Have I have Elvis Costello's. I haven't read that one yet. I did read um, uh, Keith Richards. Have you read that? It's called Life. Yeah. Really good, really good. Yeah. And if you are ever thinking of, uh, you know, doing heroin, he tells you exactly how he did it and survived it. I don't recommend it. I'm just saying, kids, stay off the smack. Yes, absolutely. Keith Richards may still be around, but everybody else in his wake who ever tried it is dead. So and it's a difference between people, you know. I think Keith Richards maybe died in the '70s and is still just somehow walking. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But going off of uh, going off of the whole like Elton John thing, have you seen the movie too, Rocket Man? Yeah, it was great. Rocket yeah. Man was very good. And yeah, great before, great before you came on the show, I was listening to "I'm Still Standing." Yeah, I remember all of these songs when they came out because I'm old. <laughs> I was listening to the movie. I love the movie version of it with um with Taron Edgerton. Yeah, Terry Anderson yeah. is a great young actor. I like him yeah. in the uh, the Kingsman movies as well. Yes. Man maketh man. Yep. Someone posted online one time. It says, like, because um, he started out singing on John in the movie Sing. Yeah. So it was like, in 2000, I think it was like 2016, sings Elton John. 2018, saves Elton John. 2019, becomes Elton John. Because like yeah. I think Kingsman too, he saves Elton John, or like Elton John is in that movie. Yeah, he's in the he, he does save yeah. him, and he's in it. But Elton John helps save himself. Exactly. They were castmates. Yeah, and yep. then they became buddies. And uh, the seeing the two of them at Cannes, uh, the Cannes Film Festival, when they uh, when yes. people gave him that standing ovation, and El Elton was near tears, and wait, <laughs> was near tears. He was there. 
uh, got a chance to see his last concert when he came through the DC area. And I've seen him in the past, but what a great showman he is. Yes. Terrific. Last year was my tour of shows that I'd want to go see that I haven't seen in a long time. Saw him, saw Paul Simon, mm -hmm. went and saw the Stray Cats. Stray Cats in concert, terrific. Ooh. Yeah, and Squeeze. Now, here's the thing about going to see, like, Stray Cats and Squeeze. I do remember going to see uh, the Stray Cats way back in the day when they were first starting out, and they were at a place called the Bayou in D.C. And I don't know if you know about this, but one night uh, I, during their show, I was in the upper area, and I looked down at the lighting area, which is right above the stage. So you, people who are sitting behind in the top, can see the people working at the lighting booth and there's a guy in the lighting booth and i go that guy's got robert plant hair look at that i mean that's total robert plant hair you know you say these things because hair like that can somewhat block your view if you're in the wrong position well the robert plant hair guy suddenly gets up towards the end of the show before they're doing their encores and starts walking around the back and he's heading to the backstage door i performed at the bayou so i knew that's where the backstage door was and i'm going hey Robert Plant here's going to the backstage door. What are the odds that's Robert Plant? They're like, well, uh, Led Zeppelin was playing just this week, maybe I think last night in this area. Could be Robert Plant. No, it's not Robert Plant. And about two, three minutes later for the encore, out come the Stray Cats with Robert Plant. And they did like a seven song thing, bebop a a whole bunch of stuff, doing the rockabilly and uh, getting the, the, the bluesy whale sound of uh, Robert Plant. It was, a, it was amazing. A wonderful <laughs> night. Until somebody later on in that night decided they were going to pull Robert Plant's hair and try to throw beer on him. And Robert Plant punched him out, uh, which I missed. So I got to see the show. But I didn't get to see the after show, so I'm very disappointed in that. That would have been fun. Yeah. That was one of those moments. I knew it. Well, I was very young when I was there and watching this. I was a young man. And then I go to see the Stray Cats, and I'm looking around. I'm like, the hell? Where did Lawrence Welk's crowd come from? What are all these old people? Oh, my God. You know, so you suddenly realize time stands still for no man. We all feel inside like we're still 18 years old. It's just the knees that go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like comedy and performing, you know? You don't get old because you age. You get old because your sense of humor and your sense of fun go with you, you know? Well, you, 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 your pratfalls go. Mm -hmm. you know? At one point when you're young, you can fall down, you can flip, you can jump, land, you know how to tuck and roll. And then at some point, you don't know where it is until it actually happens. You've fallen and you can't get up. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing a comedian in North Carolina who says, a lot of people, a lot of songwriters need to update their songs. For example, you know, Friends in Low Places needs to be updated to Friends with Knee Replacements. Yeah. I got Friends with Knee Replacements because they slipped and fell in their garage or basements. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I used to love to uh, rollerblade everywhere till one day I hit a crack in the sidewalk and started going down. And this time, instead of me being able to tuck and roll like I always did, lightning flash, boom, I'm up. I started going down and realized it was happening in slow motion. So you're suddenly like, 
this is gonna suck. Yeah. So it changes. It's 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 it, there's just something that goes on and changes in the chemistry. However, I'm still as immature as I ever was, so I've got that going for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The last thing to age, I think the last thing to age on somebody is definitely their sense of humor and maturity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Most people mature just because they're too tired to do anything else. Exactly. I remember a relative of mine um, was, they were on their last few days and we were talking the funeral arrangements. It was my grandmother and we were talking the funeral arrangements. I was sitting across from her and all that. And I told her that I would gladly do her eulogy at the funeral. And she looks at me and goes, all right, Nick, but remember, this isn't the comedy club up there. I'm like, love you too, Grandma. So, the, but well, another, you know, yeah. the thing is, it, it, Grandma's still around? No, she passed away a year ago. Oh, I'm so. sorry, man. Did you do the eulogy? I did. My sister did, and she did it beautifully. Because she was... Were she you was afraid? Still, were you afraid that you were going to do jokes? Is that no, no? I had a good. I had. A, I, I'm the guy who knows there's a difference between, you know, there's a time to be funny and there's a time to be serious. You know, right, right. Like I can be up on the comedy club doing jokes and everything like that, and then all of a sudden someone passes out and like you just need a medical attention. I'm not going to sit there and be like, I'm not going to stand there and be like, oh, that guy must have had a, had too much to drink or something. I'm like, I'm going to be like. Uh, hello, why aren't you people calling 911 right now? You don't want to be the comedian who's so bad that the only way he can uh, get stage time is to do a eulogy because he had to murder someone to get there. And he's like, I killed, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, another thing I want to ask you about, you've done Comic-Cons before, correct? Yeah. I want to ask you, because we have a Comic-Con here in Erie, and you see some of the most interesting people, but this is, this is who they are. You know, this is who, this is what they love to do. This is what, what, what are those like for you? It's a great, it, first of all, it's great to get out and meet people who have uh, played the games and have done the things and uh, enjoyed the work that you've done because mm-hmm. a lot of it's done inside of a vacuum, you know? So you don't know, but then when you get to talk to them and they're saying, yeah, I've been playing this and you get somebody coming up for you going, man, I've been playing your games since I was a kid and there's some gray haired guy in front of you. are like, shut up, man. But other than that, it's still a lot of fun. It's great meeting them. And then you go meet the other people, the other celebrities who are around and I'm not a celebrity, but there are people there who actually are. And uh, you can go up and see like last time talking to Will Wheaton was really mm-hmm. cool. And he's just a really great down to earth guy. Uh, Weirdo Yankovic, really, really fun, nice guy. Um, you know, I really enjoy, um, like, I've, I've made a lifelong friend out of John St. John, who does the voice of Duke Nukem. And I join him every uh, Tuesday on his Tequila Tuesday uh, Zoom. We've been doing that all through the pandemic, and it's been keeping everybody sane. Oops. Did we lose audio? It was my wife trying to call. Ah. Uh. Listen, you just go like this. I'm like, I just, I'll, I'll have you know, Nick, I just hung up on my wife for you. So I'm in big trouble. You're in the doghouse tonight. I take no responsibility. I she am. forgot that I was doing this. She forgot that I was doing this. So she's trying to reach out to me. Hold on one second. Take Let it time. Take her it on time. this. We'll all call her together real quick. Let me, uh. <laughs> 
Just like I said, if you end up in the doghouse tonight, I take no responsibility. I am buddy cast is not, is not legally uh what's the word I'm looking for? Is not legally responsible for any after you know. I know. Hopefully, she picks up. If not, then that's when you know you might need a bottle of wine, some chocolates, and some flowers. No, maybe she'll call me back. I just called her on her uh, mm -hmm. uh, cell phone, but it, she can't answer the cell phone at work. You know, people can't answer their cell phones at work. Oh, yeah. You must be working. Yep. That's, that's only because, you know, some people abuse the privilege, Nick. Some mm -hmm. people spend all day on the telephone, but oh, well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So now I want to ask you real quick about any inspirational stories you have from meeting people at, say, Comic-Cons, meeting people at Capitals games, meeting people through your work. What are some inspirational stories that you have that really stand out to you that you can think of automatically? Well, I mean, I met, uh, I got to meet uh, Tony Bennett at <laughs> a, uh, an HF festival when we were doing those back in the day. And he came onto the stage. We had uh, the Ramones followed him. Courtney Love was earlier in the day jumping off stage uh, and getting into like fights and getting her clothes ripped to the side. And then, you know, so she basically showed her ass and then Tony comes on later and shows his class. And uh, he's up there in the middle of this big arena and he's singing, I left my heart in San Francisco and the mosh pit is still going. People were actually moshing to Tony Bennett doing I Left My Heart in San Francisco, which was way cool. And I got to meet him again at a Christmas show later. But see, Tony Bennett doesn't remember me. I remember him because he's Tony Bennett. I know he doesn't remember me because I saw him again a third time. And this was when I was working doing sports uh, at a radio station. And we were up in a, a building, some nondescript building. And, and Tony was there to do an interview. And there's the wife. And there's your wife. Me on that one there. Um, anyway, Tony is standing in the doorway, looking a little confused. And I'm like, Tony, hey. He goes, hey, how you doing, man? And it's like, uh, what's up? He goes, listen, Jack, do you know if there's a, uh, a men's room around here somewhere? I got an interview and I really need to head in. And we're like, oh, okay, yeah. Just go down the hallway here, turn right. It's the first door to your left. And he's like, hey, thank you, Ken, thank you. And he turns and he starts heading down the hall. Now, I'd just driven a long way to get here. And I'm about to go in and do my, do my stuff. And I suddenly thought, that's not a bad idea. I really should take care of business before I go. So I turn and I start going down the hall. Well, about 15 paces ahead of me, suddenly Tony Bennett is like, looking back, seeing me coming. And I get the feeling that he's like going, oh, hey, stranger danger, <laughs> as he's heading to the men's room. So, of course, we get in there, and he goes off one way, and I immediately went to another and shut a door. I didn't have to shut the door for what I needed to do, but I thought, I will shut a door and get away so that Tony Bennett knows I am there for reasons other than just trying to be like, I understand you have to use the restroom, Mr. Bennett. Mind if I watch? You know, so, yeah. Uh, but uh, so I don't know if that's inspirational, but mm -hmm. it's funny, and I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. 
what about like what about like fan interactions? What about those stories? Um, I've met a number of people. Um, I'm I'm going to call my wife again, real <laughs> quick. Take your time. She... Take your time for all my buddies out there. This is my buddy Wes Johnson, incredible voice actor. Sad. His wife trying to stay out of trouble, who keeps texting me on the phone that I'm actually doing my interview on, mm -hmm. and not reaching me on the other phone. So hopefully she'll pick up here. Mm -hmm. We're trying to keep him out of the doghouse, folks. <sighs> All right. Yeah. Sorry about this, Nick. No, 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 not a problem at all, my friend. Not a problem at all. We've had plenty of work. We've had plenty of other situations. I mean, from technical difficulties to <laughs> people who have walked in on other people's interviews and just started a full-blown conversation. It's kind of like, uh, hello. She yeah. keeps texting me, but she's not picking up the phone. Maybe she mm. has turned off, but I can't necessarily call her work. I'll just mm -hmm. leave her message. Mm -hmm. Take it. Everybody can hear. Yep. I can meet you if you want. No, no, it's fine. Okay. Hey, Kim. Uh, listen, I'm doing an interview on my phone, and you keep calling and uh, jumping in and sending texts as soon as it's over, which should be what, Nick, and just a few? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just a few, real quick. I will uh, send you a text and I'll give you a call at the office but I've been trying to call you on your phone. This is my office phone. Uh, everybody's hearing you, hearing me leave a message for you right now. Oh, there she is again. Kim. Now she's here. I just left a long message for you. I'm actually doing an interview right now on my phone, and everybody live is hearing me talking to you because you've, you've been popping in over and over again with messages. Mm. That's okay. That's okay. Everything all right? I, so we're going to be uh, just a couple minutes, and then yep. I will uh, give you a call, and I'll swing by, and we'll go get lunch, and uh, I'll make it up to you. Lunch. All right. I love you. Bye. Yep. All right, let's, okay. jump, let's jump back on the questions. So my, I'm going to ask you three questions that I always ask my buddies, and I'm going to ask you for one more personal question. Okay. The first one is, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Uh, what does it mean to be somebody's buddy? It means that you accept them for who they are. Uh, you like them just as they are. You don't expect anything from them other than companionship. And you support them in their their dreams, as long as their dreams don't involve murder. Yes, yes, absolutely. That means you're not a buddy. That means you're an accomplice. Mm -hmm. yeah. Big difference there. Big difference. So, speaking of support, you know, part of being a buddy is to be supportive. And I always yeah. ask my buddies who come on this show, um, "What do you, if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what would it be and why?" Uh, the uh, Alzheimer's Association. I've lost uh, family members, and uh, I know people who have lost uh, folks to the to Alzheimer's and dementia. And it's insidious to lose somebody before you lose them. So I always uh, that that has been the charity of choice for me is uh, 
uh, the Alzheimer's Association. Beautiful. Now this last question is called the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. And I'm going to make this two parts for you. The first one is I'm running this, I'm running this campaign in November on my show called Positivity November. You know, we're in a time where just everything is just negative, you know, like we said, like yeah. we were talking beforehand, you know, with the pandemic, you go and you say hi to the person that walks past you on the street and you're instantly greeted with a profanity back at you. You know, you're just things like that. How can we be more positive today? Uh, you know, you just try to pay a little kindness every day to someone, whether that's opening a door, whether that's uh, giving somebody a hand. I tell you one thing that I've been doing uh, recently because someone did it for me and I didn't know who they were. But we went to Starbucks and we're in the drive through because, you know, you're wearing your mask, you're doing social distance, but you want your coffee. So we're going through the drive through at uh, Starbucks. And the person ahead of us paid for us. Ooh. We didn't know who they were. They just said, person behind me, how much is it? Okay, I'm paying for it. And so we said, oh, well, that's very cool. Do you know who they were? They didn't know. They thought it was just random. Some people have been doing it that day. So I went ahead and uh, said, how much is the guy behind me? Yeah, we'll pay theirs. So we paid it immediately forward to the person behind us, and we've done it again since. Now, this does two things. One, it spreads some kindness because people have no idea. And two, for those who don't understand what kindness is, it spreads suspicion. They don't know why you bought that for them, but they know there's got to be an ulterior motive. And one day they'll figure out what it is, and their heart will grow 12 sizes. <laughs> you got that right. You got that right, just like the Grinch. Oh, yeah. And There's plenty of Grinchy Grinches out there. Mm -hmm. I'm more Max the dog. Yes. Yes. You're the one who's dancing whenever the Grinch isn't home, you know? Yeah. Into the scene. Are you having a holly jolly Christmas? <laughs> no. But then you're the one who gives the Grinch the ideas. Like, if I can't take make Christmas, or if I can't take Christmas from stopping, or whatever he says, then I'll stop it myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, so what's the part two? Yes. Part two is what's really called the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. What is your advice to anybody out there who wants to do voiceover work, who wants to use their voice professionally? First thing you do, there's a voice actor by the name of D. Bradley Baker, and he's got the best website out there for this. It's called IWantToBeAVoiceActor.com. Check that out. Go to IWantToBeAVoiceActor.com and... Uh, that he will he lays a lot of that out there also i've been teaching classes at uh, theater lab dc that's theater with the tre lab uh, dc you can find them online you can find the classes there and uh i've uh, uh been teaching a video game voice actor class to kids uh 13 to 19 and on saturday mornings right now i'm teaching fifth to eighth graders uh cartoon voices Character voices, taking things up and doing things like with you know, and different characters are oh Mickey Mouse, you know that kind of thing, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, but I've had a lot of requests from people to do a video game voice acting class for adults, which in the next go round we will be doing. So you know, check that out. Remember, there are only ten slots, and they go pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And you know how I think we have to close out this show. How? You do the Unleash the Fury 
but I yeah. think you could do an Unleash the Buddy. You think you could do that? You think you could organize uh, it? All right, fans. Now is the time when you need to get down and start listening to Nick. Nick has all the thoughts. He has all the ideas. So I need you to reach out, to get passionate. It's time to unleash the Excellent job, sir. Thank you so very much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. For all my buddies out there, this is Wes Johnson, voice of the Capitals, voice of your favorite video games. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. It's all my pleasure. Thank you, Nick. Yes, thank you. For all my buddies out there, just remember, as I tell you, every single end of this episode, go be someone's buddy today. We'll catch you next time here on BuddyCast. Well, the days are going fast Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past Buddy, buddy, tune in to BuddyCast Don't be lonely, make it, buddy Here on BuddyCast